0: Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast.
1: So excited to be here today, really to trumpet the greatness of Jesus Christ as Lord. And uh, we came off of a tremendous uh, weekend of ministry, so our hearts are full. We kind of want to process uh, some of the amazing truth that we received uh, from our, our dear friend of ours here in the ministry, Ivan Tate, uh, doing a great work down in Guatemala and over in Africa and Kenya, uh, and really just loving the least of these uh, widows, orphans, uh, and the like. i just doing a great job uh, transforming lives through the power of the gospel. But we are talking, you know, the, the object of this podcast is to uh, declare the superiority of a Christian worldview, not in, the, not in an arrogant way, not in a prideful way, not in a we're better than you kind of way, but just the, the fact that Jesus Christ said that he came to give life and life more abundantly. And, uh, and that is the message of the gospel. That's the message we're proclaiming today. And I think, you know, you and I were chatting. The part of why I think the message, especially on Sunday morning was so powerful, uh, is he really highlighted, uh, I guess, the problems with much of the church today as it relates to really modeling the fullness of this of this blessed Christian life that God's called us to live. I mean, we, we should be, people should be like jealous to, to uh, how can I become part of the club you're in? Or what is it that you're doing? Right. Because your life is blessed, your marriage is blessed, your children are blessed. You know, um, and not in a uh, American dream kind of prosperity way, but but true blessing, blessing, uh, uh, joy, peace. You know, righteousness, the, uh, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, touching people's lives, um, and really being that church. And uh, and I think that's what that was why the Sunday message was so powerful because the, the 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 challenge was how do we move into the fullness of our inheritance? You know, how do we? How do we live in the fullness of this Christian worldview, and how do we really display it, you know, before watching? More? Yeah, I think he 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 made the distinction between our
0: position and our present or reality. Yeah, and that even when we are saved, when we so when our lives to the Lord, positionally, we have received a, a mega inheritance. Right. But he's like, he said, you have a billion dollars in bank account, whatever. But yeah. but you lost the key and you lost the account number. Yeah. You know? And sometimes, I know, I know I feel that way sometimes. I'm like, that is all those great things you talk about in the Bible, but I don't have a key and I lost my ID and I have no account number. That's my money, but I have no access to it. You know, yeah. I thought that was a good analogy.
1: That was a great analogy. The whole idea that you've received an inheritance from maybe a rich family member yeah. and, and you're actually wealthy. Yeah. The problem is you don't have the key, you don't have the account number, and you don't know what bank it's yeah. at. And that would, you know, so we could actually live as paupers, even though positionally yeah. we're wealthy. Yeah. And, you know, we're here in the local church. We don't have to look at the body of Christ. We can look in the mirror and realize, I think we all know, that uh, there's just more. There's more to be experienced. You know, we're talking about hosting the Holy Spirit now and realizing that the Christian walk is supernatural. And I think that point that you just alluded to is a, is a huge point. We a lot of times we understand the gospel intellectually, or we read the promises of God right in the Bible, but we've never tasted of it. There's no experience of that, and um, and 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 that's the problem. I mean, that's what we're we're pressing into is not just to study the Bible, but to live the Bible, to, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I don't know about you, but I, that that is a, a a continual quest in my heart. Uh, to To know the Lord experientially, to love Him, and to experience the power of the gospel—not just to read about it. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave a great example of Egyptian Christians. Talk a little bit about that. What was it? What's an Egyptian Christian? Yeah, I mean, he he gave the the example. Well, it's the
0: it's not I don't shouldn't say the story, the chronicle of the Jews. Mm-hmm. They were in Egypt. You know, they were under oppression. They're a called out people. Yeah. There are people who have been set apart for God's very purpose, to worship God, yeah. but they are under the oppression of Egypt. right? Yep.
1: And Pharaoh, a picture again of uh, Satan as, yeah. as the taskmaster, and he made the point. Everybody who lives in Egypt is a slave. Yeah. And so uh, how does that relate to people in the church?
0: Yeah, I mean, you can be Christians. Uh, you have a called out. You have a sense of a calling. You've been called out by God in a good way, yeah. but you're still living under the oppression of the world, the slavery of the world, yeah. the, the 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 system, the process, the language of the
1: world. Right. You know? So even though you're out of Egypt, uh, you're still not really out of Egypt because, you're, as you said, you're still thinking like Egypt. You're still you're still in bondage. You're still in the world, and uh, and uh, you know he made the comment that a lot of Christians are actors. You know, you come to church on Sunday. And you, uh, you say all the right things. Praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. You say amen at the appropriate times. You know, you know the lyrics to the songs. Uh, you're somewhat familiar with the Bible stories, right? And Bible verses. Uh, but when it comes to the actual power of God, and the transform the transformation that God's trying to bring about, the promised land God's trying to take us to, um, a lot of Christians never get there. Absolutely. And then he talked like, about wilderness Christians. What are wilderness Christians? I thought that was a good illustration. Yeah,
0: and the wilderness is kind of like you know you're in between. You know, you you you've been delivered, you've been free to a certain degree, yeah. But you, because of certain sacrifice you're unwilling to make, certain commitment that you're unwilling lifestyle changes that you're unwilling to do, you're wandering out in the wilderness. And meanwhile, while you're one round witness you look back at Egypt, you're like, man, life was pretty good in Egypt. You know, like I got meat, I can eat all around. Look at those Egyptians, they have houses, they have homes, they oh, have yeah. lands. I have to keep walking around, I'm lost. You know, I've certainly been there before. Yeah. You know, that feeling of like it's better for me to be unsaved than
1: for me to wander around the wilderness. Well, oh, being a Christian is so hard, you know, and I didn't have it this hard when I was back in Egypt. Of course, we have. We have uh, uh, amnesia, yeah, spiritual amnesia. Whips and uh, oppression. Sure. But 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 I thought this was good. You know, he made a comment. There's mm-hmm. so many nuggets, but you know that you you. You cannot expect God to bless what Jesus uh, died on the cross to de- to defeat. In other words, you, you know, if if you're living in compromise and living in sin and living in shame, and you're trying to ask God to bless your life, He's just not going to do it. You know, God God does not bless what Jesus died for to set us free. Uh, the The blood of the Son of God um, is priceless and precious, and we have to treat it as such. And I think there are a lot of Christians again they say man i tried christianity or whatever but they really they they, they never really gave it all they never submitted their all and they still got a lot of egypt's in their heart mm-hmm. uh, and until you get the egypt out of your life you're never able to cross over into the promised land yeah um so anyway there's there's so many nuggets uh, but he was talking about the difference between uh, being intellectually saved and experientially lost and i guess that spoke to me, especially as we're in this series on the Holy Spirit, because because you can know the truth. You can you can pray the prayer. You can believe the gospel in your head and be experientially kind of walking around in the wilderness. And I think many, many Christians are there sometimes. And so it's so important that you don't just settle for not facts or knowledge or Bible verses or doctrines in your head without letting it transform your heart so that you're experientially saved as well that you know the Lord personally and that you're walking with him. Um, this to me is a huge thing. And this is why this whole series we're on now and hosting the Holy Spirit is so important because if you're not allowing the spirit of the living God to transform you, you become just a religious person. And uh, I think a lot of the you know the children of Israel, you look at them in the wilderness, as soon as the pressures came, what God squeezed out of them, all, all the Egyptian thinking, the worldliness, the worldly ways, the lust for food, the lust for comfort, uh, all that became... Uh, Screaming, you know, at that time. Yeah, I think what's difficult for the
0: Jews and for us Christians at the times is if you've never been the Promised Land, you've never been the Promised Land. Yeah, you like, don't you don't have the ability. You, you haven't the experience to say, oh, I've been there before. I'm going to get back there. You see right. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but once you get to the Promised Land, you're like, oh, this is awesome. But before you get to the Promised Land, you're just wondering. You're just thinking, man, am I ever going to get there? I I understand that feeling. I look at a lot of young people right now. And they made a group in the church or or maybe they just came out they the world did not treat them well they've been beat up and spilled by the world yeah and they were like oh i want to do something new oh here's christianity here's a good thing i want to experience it i'm going to try it but they have to press through the wilderness to get to the promised land they have to go through these things he's talking about like you know change your language you gotta learn perseverance you gotta learn you know sacrifice you have to die to yourself and all these different things these right. are behavioral changes that's really really complicated and difficult it needs a fellowship you need people around you You need discipleship you need teaching you need support I man out the whole process yeah. and they're wondering is promised land ever going to come and that is the faith journey that every person has to go
1: through no, you know you're right you're right that's a great point how do you how do you get excited about going somewhere where you've never been you know god tells you about it right yeah. i mean he told them how amazing it was but all they could relate to was egypt I think about a great quote, famous quote by C.S. Lewis. He said, "You know, God offers us this amazing vacation on the beach, crystal clear water, beautiful sandy beaches, and yet we keep going back to the to the mud puddle in the slums." The mud pies. Yeah, Yeah, because all all we know is a dirty, mucky, muddy, you know, a polluted uh, little pool here when God's offering us this gorgeous uh, view on the beach. Uh, and we have to believe God and, and you've got to move forward to possess it. And I, I think that was a really, really, really good point. And I, I want to tie this just in historically as far as Christian worldview. Um, if you want to be remembered by God and you want to be remembered uh, and leave a legacy, uh, you have to move forward in faith. And he, he talked about Caleb. You know, Caleb was, was somebody who wanted wanted his stuff that was this word he kept using good get i want my stuff in other words our stuff is just simply the, the full inheritance god has given to us in christ and then the unique part of who our call and destiny is yeah. you know so um uh, i've always challenged people you know to move in faith and when you look back in the bible even though the names of the 12 spies are listed you can only remember two of them and the only two of them that you remember are joshua and caleb Why is it that we remember Joshua and Caleb and we can't remember the names of any of those other 10 spies who gave a bad report? Because bad reports are not remembered. Uh, Losers are not remembered. We only remember the winners. Uh, You remember who came in first place. You don't remember who came in fifth place. Um, You just remember who wins. You remember who possesses the promises of God. And again, I wonder how many of us in the church were content to be... We're hey, we're one of the twelve spies, yeah, but but we're part of the evil report. We're part of the group that that shrunk back and saw themselves as grasshoppers. Yeah, I I think even the story of Exodus and Joshua is a
0: sign to those who may may not have experience promised land in their spiritual life right now it's it's a sign it's a journey it's a chronicle of of every believer's journey every believer will go from whether you grew up in a church even you have to go from egypt at some point you grew up in egypt you you're you're born in egypt you're born born in sin everyone's born in sin right and then you go through the wilderness process of discovery. And then you get to make some hard choices. And eventually you got to face the giants. Yeah. I thought it was so interesting. They finally got <laughs> to the promised land. And they're meeting people who are nine feet tall. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's it's like, like wait, a, it's Lord, just, we're here. Lord, this is a cruel
1: joke. <laughs> no, anyone who played video games is at the end, the end of the level there is a boss. Right? <laughs> yeah. And what Your biggest you think is Bigger levels, bigger devils,
0: as they say. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was so interesting that God kind of saved that for the end. He didn't even tell them that. That. hey by the way when you get to the promised land there's a there's a bunch of giants he let them discover for themselves and he wanted to see their reaction you know but I think I think I see that in, in my own development I see it in development of other young people I work with young and old just Christians growing Christians its when you get closer to a breakthrough there is a big challenge coming there's yeah. a big test coming yeah. It might not be physical giants, but they right. certainly feel like giants. Yeah. But that's the encouragement we got to keep on the scripture to say, "Hey, we can do this." You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. In other words, the promised land is well worth whatever battles you have to fight to get there. Yeah. And uh, and he made a comment too. He said, Christianity is not a hobby." And I thought this is so good. You know, this is our life. You know, we 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 must want our possession, our inheritance, more than anything. And I just want to encourage you. Um, there will always be naysayers out there. During every great move of God, there were people who criticized the move, um, people who criticized the leaders. Uh, I just read a great article talking about the Wesleyan revival, which which brought about you know, holiness, small groups, cultural transformation like crazy, uh, because they preached the gospel, they called people back, you know, to righteousness. But there were naysayers. There were people who didn't like George Whitfield preaching out in the in the fields, or John Wesley preaching out in the fields. Uh, they didn't like their uh, maybe their passion. They didn't like the sometimes the emotional responses that were being elicited at the preaching of the gospel. It Made people nervous. It, it, it wasn't the the order of the day. Uh, and so they, they spoke against it. But you don't remember the, the, the names of these people historically. You don't remember them. But you do remember Wesley and you do remember Whitfield, just like Joshua and Caleb. And I feel like, you know what, we're, we're on the precipice of another great move of God. I mean, certainly here at Living Stones, we're, we're, there's a tangible sense uh, of the Holy Spirit electricity in the air. I mean, I sensed it last night. Nobody, you say amen, nobody wants to leave. You know, I joked about the, the last person turn off the lights because nobody wants to leave the building. Everybody's just so energized and so full of, of hope and expectation. And uh, and I think it's just a good word to say, hey, keep believing God. Keep uh, Don't listen to the the negativity. Don't listen to the naysayers. Even in the church, you know, even, even in it, it's talked about Israel when they left Egypt, it was a mixed multitude, you know. You're always going to have a mixed multitude. There are people that are, are in the group, but really aren't in the group. They aren't part of the culture. They don't really have your heart. They don't have God's heart. Uh, and uh, so choose your friends wisely. Choose your traveling companions wisely, because they are, they're going to have a direct impact you know, on your life. Now, let's talk about this again. This is, this is another major takeaway. Um, he talked about the language, uh, the divine language as being important, Um uh, I think it's in my journal here. I want to make sure I get, get the principle correct. Uh, basically, that our language shapes our identity. Here it is. Learn how to use divine language as a weapon. Um, talk about that a little bit, because we, we've done some identity stuff in the past. But, but you're, you can listen to somebody talking, and you could tell what worldview they're operating from.
0: Yeah, and I, I think about we see this a lot in, in our cultural wars today, is how your language frames your, your battleground. Yeah, And if you start with a verbiage of like, you know, uh, explain to me, why are you a racist? And it's like, what, wait, what? Like, yeah. how, how do I even, like, you're presuming I'm a racist. Even and before, then you're so. on the defensive. Then you're defended, and, you got to yeah. defend. And, and again, so much of the, the dialogue right now is to be able to see the, 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 the world they're creating by your language and say, you know what? I'm not accepting your verbiage. Right. I'm going to push back. You know, I'm going to say, hey, you know what, this is the worldview I'm putting... Because your van- language reveals your worldview. All right. these new words that people are creating on the left, right, it, it's, they're creating a new world, new, a new concept, a new worldview, you know? Exactly. And when we go along with it, we're, we are subtly uh seeding ourselves to those worldview right. and we have to be so careful that same thing with here you we
1: talked about whether well, it's uh, the abortion debate we're, we're always uh, the language shapes the per debate Pro choice pro so, choice wow. are, so we're anti-choice there? We're anti-choice yeah we're for choice for the baby <laughs> right exactly yeah. but but the language deterring and, and you look at all the headlines that they come up on my phone every day i look through, i look through the you know a smattering of news headlines from yeah. all across america and i'm amazed at how biased every single headline is against the Christian worldview. I mean, the way that the argument is shaped by language determines really almost the outcome of the war, so to speak. Yeah. And um, it's the same, though, with Christianity. When you listen to certain people talk, you can pick up on uh, victimhood, on fear, on worry, on doubt, unbelief, just by the things that come out of people's mouths. And, um, and you know, when they said, we're, we're like grasshoppers, the grasshopper language was was a, an understanding. It was, a, it was a window into their souls. They felt very weak, inadequate, overwhelmed, out outgunned. As you said, these are nine to 10 foot tall giants in the land, uh, and they're like, where are grasshoppers compared to them? But they had a grasshopper mentality. And um, and just how important it is to get into the word of God, to chew on the word of God, uh, to not only, he talked about the importance of memorizing scripture, but then getting it into where you're meditating on that scripture and that meditation literally becomes becomes who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're transformed from the inside out by the word of God. I thought another great principle was the fact that God is looking for agreement. Uh, he's looking for someone to agree with his estimation, his worldview. Mm-hmm. And... And we're not up for the task. We're, we're like you said, we're, we're slaves coming out of Egypt and there's still a lot of compromise and mixture in us. So God's not looking for agreement from me. He's looking for agreement from the Word of God that's become part of my life. God will always agree with His Word because His Word uh, is a part of who He is. It's a part of, it reveals His character, reveals His will, His intention. And so when we eat the Word, when we put the Word of God in us, when we declare the Word of God, God agrees with what he has said and he brings it about um in our lives and i thought man that was such a powerful powerful principle so if we're going to be negative we're going to be fearful and then we saw this even even during the whole covid thing we just determined you know what we're going to err on the side of faith we're not going to err on the side of unbelief we're going to err on the side of trusting god and moving forward and being the church we're not going to go backwards to egypt we're going to go into a promised land that we don't really know what it looks like other than that we've chosen to believe God. Yeah. I think about, uh, Mr. Joe Biden talking about the past winter and remember his verb
0: is, I don't remember oh, exactly yeah. what he says, like it's a dark winter of many deaths or whatever it is. Yeah. It was a, prof- it was a prophecy of doom and gloom. I mean, again, like that's what he was verbalizing about his own nation and country and people people were unvaccinated and whatnot, you know, and, and, that's an example of verb, how verb is just trying to shape narrative, yeah. shape culture, shape your thinking, shape your perception, yeah. you know, and there's there's real power to words and how you speak.
1: Yeah. And I think as we're engaging in the larger culture, we have to make sure that our language is not cr- creating the division and the fear and everything else, you know, because the language that's, that's coming out yeah. of Washington right now is very divisive, you know, uh, with this terrible tragedy, the shooting tragedy that happened, everything now is characterized in the lens. Of race uh, white supremacy all this kind of stuff uh and of course that that one person that pulled the trigger does not represent every person in america or every white person in america that's one person and one person's decision and choice that they should be responsible for but to take that one person and make it apply to everybody is a terrible terrible thing that just divides us again yeah. and so uh, you know i'm even thinking of the whole uh, the roe v wade uh, and the 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 you know the, the looming decision out there on, on this uh, on this case um, it really is a time to be speaking language of uh, forgiveness and mercy and healing and forgiveness in Jesus' name and the ability of God to, to uh, wash away the stain and the sin of abortion. And and I think it's important that the church is bringing hope that out of this situation uh, we can now begin to come together and see healing and transformation. Yeah, I, I, I was watching a post on
0: I don't know what and just how our language, the our worldview. So you might not have that belief, but you use that language enough you end up having that belief. right? And yeah. I've been more sensitized. So, for example, they're saying, like, uh, expecting mothers. You know, I, I use that word all the time. I don't really think much about it. But, yeah. but in bed, expecting mother is a pro-choice and uh, is a pro-abortion perspective. Because if you're pregnant, you're not mother yet. You're expecting mother. Uh, Does that make sense? I was going yeah, to ask you where to it. Expecting mother seems like... I never thought about that. No, you are mother. Right. It actually, in, 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 and not in China now, but traditionally, years ago... Um, when a baby born, they were considered almost one years old, because they been in the womb for, you know, almost oh, yeah, one. Yeah. So, so, it's, it's just, it's again, it's language, it's right. verbiage that changes your whole perspective on what life is, right? And like, people use the word, and I know people use it all the time, and I don't get offended by it, but I know it's incorrect. People say, like, you know, I've evolved in the last couple of years, or this right. whole process, I see Christians, it's like, I, my view on this as evolved, I thought it was evolved. I'm like, no, you didn't evolve. Evolving cannot be done in one lifetime. <laughs> Evolving, by definition, happens through various generations through mutations. Yeah. But we use that word all the time. We familiarize it. I see my kids talk about, "Oh, I saw this this whatever machine or toy evolve into whatever." I'm like, it didn't evolve. It changed. Right. But when we ingrain those... It's the
1: language of Darwin and evolution. And, yeah,
0: you, you familiarize yourself with it, you, you normalize it, and next thing you know, you're like, oh yeah, evolution, yeah, that makes sense. But, right. but that's how things get into your spirit, you know? Right. And I think the, the battle of the language is so important in our
1: context in all these different arenas that we don't even notice. Yeah, and you you made a good point too. When you... T- like, t- like the word homophobe. Homophobe is attached to somebody who simply disagrees with, yeah. with that position. You know, we're not running around fearful of people who are trapped in a homosexual lifestyle. That's why I refuse to even acknowledge some of these ter- terms, because no. as soon as you embrace, as soon as you use the language, you embrace the worldview. You're, 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 fo- you're
0: afraid of it. Like, that's like, how does he even connect that? I mean, there is so much worldview thrown in your face with that word by that word itself. self. I mean, whoever created it is genius because they encapsulate a whole worldview view whole other presumption of who you are and they throw it at your face all in one little word yeah. and I was just like no I'm not
1: going like, to receive this package I'm not going to receive this gift so we you know? have to be wise to how the enemy works because again Satan is behind all of this I, you know even uh, spoke about speaking Satanese I thought that was a great term that every time we're agreeing with the devil every time we're using his language we're speaking the language of that kingdom and really, we're talking about Christian worldview, but the only, uh, the only alternatives to Christian worldview are, are satanic worldview oh. that's manifested in a variety of ways. I'll give you another one. All right. Okay. Cis and trans, right? Yep. Do you know where I first learned cis and
0: trans is in chemistry class? You remember those, like, you have certain particles? No, I Certain, certain, chemistry. certain carbon <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to forget chemistry. <laughs> you have, like, you know, in the carbon molecules, well, I don't know if I'm right, it's been <laughs> years. But if you have both things on the same side, it's called cis. Okay. If, they're, if, they're part, if the chemicals are the opposite side, it's called trans. Okay, see, so they're natural occurring particles. So you can have a cis, So i I'm getting educated right now. This is why I should have paid better attention. That's the first time I ever heard cis and trans. Okay. Okay.
1: So these are, these are chemistry,
0: biological terms? These are chemistry, biological natural occurring, okay? <laughs> so now they refer cis and trans to uh, gender, gender identity ethics, or whatever. Yeah. Like So if you're trans, you're born trans means you're man and you're born in a woman's body or vice versa whatever. But then you and I would be considered cis because our, we're on the same side. In other words, our body aligns with our biology. That's, that's the worldview embedded in that. Right. Just like a cis and trans particle is natural occurring, it's natural for you to be either cis or trans. So trans just as natural, like a trans particle, right. it, embedded in all of that is, is that worldview. Is that scientific language? It's just saying a natural occurring. I mean, I, I never really thought about it until I heard about that. I was like, wait, this cis and trans that sounds I'm so familiar. Wow. But, but see, embedded in that language is the sense of it's scientific it's natural current, right. it's biological it's, it's all these different things it's normal just and we're just using a more higher language scientific language so that you you know if you're just like, wait that doesn't make sense well you're just ignorant yeah you know embedded in all that stuff it, again I don't know the, the origin I never researched it. I just remember
1: thinking, wait, this isn't trans that's back in like biochemistry class I'm like yeah well, yeah, well, I'm learning something new today. I hope you are too. All of you who did not do so great in chemistry, or ran for I'm sure chemistry. there's a lot of history to
0: how they came up. I didn't research any yeah. of that. I just remember. But the point well.
1: is valid again: uh, how we, how our worldview tries to shape our reality, yeah. and uh, we can't, as Christians, we cannot certainly let the culture define our terms. We've got to be biblically immersed. I like what he said. You know, ignorance of the Bible makes you food for Satan. In other words, he will devour. Christians who are ignorant about the promises of God, the Word of God, and the Christian worldview. And, I, and we were talking about this last week. Um, Barnard just came out with more data revealing just how, again, how deficient we are in America, even in the church, of possessing a Christian worldview. There's a lot of syncretism. There's a lot of mixture. There's a lot of that, you know, we talked about the wilderness Christian. You can have a wilderness mentality in your mind where you're, you've got so much mixture between worldliness and between what Christ says, between what the news media are saying and what the Bible says, that you you live in a state of double-mindedness, mm-hmm. and I think you know the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In other words, if you're unstable, you're going to eventually fall flat on your face. I think so many of us are halfway in Egypt, one leg in Egypt, one leg in
0: wilderness. Um, and we don't even know it because because we are we are living in Egypt, yeah. if, uh, physically yeah. living in Egypt in so many different ways. Yeah. But what our job is to actually occupy and turn where we are
1: called to be, to be the kingdom of God, which is the promised land. Amen. You know? And so I just, you know, I was inspired to uh, press in even more to go after, you know, I love I love the illustration of Caleb because Caleb wasn't a kid. Caleb was in his 80s and he's going, hey. I still haven't got my inheritance. I've been fighting for everybody else's land, but God promised me land. I'm going after my land, yeah. and um, and you know you never stop going after more of the Lord. And and so I just love to, to to be. I'm challenged. I want to challenge you. Keep reading. Keep learning. Keep growing. Keep keep pursuing God. Don't settle for just a head knowledge. Make sure that there's a fiery passion in your heart. Make sure you're being transformed. One other thing that I thought was so good, and we see this in marriage ministry all the time. Um, Ivan Tate made this comment. He said, the only acceptable apology is change. And how many times, you know, in, in our marriage you say, oh, honey, please forgive me. I lost my temper again. Uh, oh, kids, please forgive me. Daddy was impatient. And and this is a lifestyle. And we say, please forgive me. But after a while, our kids or our spouse they get very hardened. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, I'm not forgiving you because you keep doing the same thing over and over. You say, I'm sorry, but there's been no transformation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I really love this. It's like, you know, if you're, if, if you're satisfied with, with compromise, you're satisfied with that little pocket of Egypt in your heart. Uh, anger, impatience, whatever, profanity. Uh, you speak the language of Satanese. Um, then that's that's all bogus. At some point, you got to repent and you got to get radical. And he talked about using your sword well. I love that. You know, in other words, cut the head off of these things. Don't have mercy on these areas of compromise or these pockets of compromise that are in our heart. Uh, apology is not acceptable unless there's transformation. That's the true truth that you've been radically redeemed or radically changed. So anyway, good good stuff. Last thing I want to share is this. You know. Um, it's so important that we expose our children to the mission of God when, when they're young. Uh, and uh, there were three questions that he was asking that I thought were really, really good. Why were you born? Where are you going? And how are you going to get there? Um, three great questions. Why are you born? Where are you going? And how are you going to get there? He's, he made the comment um, that when he was a young boy, his mother, who is Hispanic, would go to Mexico on a regular basis to purchase supplies because they were cooking at a Mexican restaurant and they, they wanted authentic Mexican food to serve at the restaurant. And his mother would give him a sack of pennies because there were beggars, there were people that were, that, you know, were crippled, uh, people that were blind, uh, that were begging out of their little cups. And as a, as a young boy, he would go and take this change and put it in the cups of these poor people. And he made the comment that that later in life when he was seeking the Lord about who am I? What have you called me to do? What is my mission? The Holy Spirit spoke uh, that simple phrase, remember the pennies. And I was just thinking how, again, the Holy Spirit is such a a genius. He doesn't need a a vast amount of words. He has an economy of language, but he says things in such a, a personal way. That we know exactly what that means, and and Ivan Tate's life, remember the pennies, was a reminder that part of his destiny is to feed the orphan, the widow, the poor, the homeless, uh, to care for the least of these, and that's what he spent his life doing. and And uh, and I'm excited. I know our, we shared last night. We're going to be sending some teams down to to Guatemala next year, 2023, Lord willing, um, and. I don't know about you but my you know with eight kids the in the early days of my parenting we only had a couple of kids and most of you know my daughter Lauren as you know she's been to probably 30 different countries of the world um, and uh, and that all happened when she was a young girl maybe 30 is a little bit much but she's been to we we've, we've been to over 30 and my and I but we always tried to take our kids with us because we wanted our kids to see the fruit of, of a kingdom that produces death and brokenness and disease and, and poverty. And we wanted our children to see the, what the gospel looks like when it's in action. And it, it marked them, you know. Uh, uh, but my younger children, I've not been able to take overseas as much. And I really want to make sure that I'm intentional about taking them with me. In fact, the Lord spoke to me and when we, a, a, after a mission trip in China. Uh, we were doing the, the debriefing. And I remember the Lord very clearly spoke to me and said, Take your children with you. Be intentional about this because you cannot leave the United States of America and go anywhere in the world and not be marked by what you by what you see. And so I would encourage us as parents, let's be intentional. Let's make sure we're not just talking out of theory. Let's make sure the gospel is being lived out in our homes. And let's make sure we're exposing our children to the to the mission of Jesus on planet Earth. Uh, because that's how they get marked and that's how they begin to have a story for their life That's really really exciting and awesome as well. So any final comments from your nuggets okay. or your takeaway? That's good um, Just very let me just bring it home. I guess um We're just so excited. I'd I made the joke that I was sitting out in my parking lot uh, Or in my parking lot my backyard watching the parking lot <laughs> not many people enjoy watching uh bulldozers and plows and all that kind of stuff and all the dust that gets stirred up, but I can't tell you how exciting it was just to see the vision unfold. I want to thank everybody that's part of Living Stones just for your incredible generosity. You know, we're living in in times right now, as we've talked about, of crazy, talking about recession and crazy inflation because of all this is government created, by the way, Uh, it's because of bad government. I mean, that's another topic for another time. Bad government creates bad economic policy, which leads to really bad outcomes, and that's what we're experiencing as uh, as Americans right now. But the good news is, is the kingdom of God transcends all of this, and that we live in a supernatural kingdom uh, where God provides, God blesses, God God brings increase, God brings solutions so let's keep speaking the truth let's keep staying in the word but all in all there's an exciting time that we're living in we encourage you guys to come out if you're local if maybe you're watching this so when we meet on sundays three services 8:30, 10 o'clock 11 uh, and the lord is on the move and we're excited to be a part of what we're doing we just want to host the holy spirit we want to embrace his presence and, uh, and just let God be God in our midst. And uh, and he is truly doing amazing things. So come on out and be a part of that. Thanks for watching this podcast. We hope it's been helpful. Uh, share it uh, far, far and wide. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. All right. But in the meantime, make sure you get Egypt out of you. Quit walking in the wilderness of disobedience and going around the same place being paralyzed. Let's move forward. Let's cross the Jordan. Uh, let's, Let's get into the promised land and start really living in the fullness of all that this Christian worldview describes. All right. We love you. Have a great week. Until next Thursday, we'll see you then.